All right, it's primary day, and we are in New Hampshire, and glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Two big stories emerging. One is that quid pro quo Joe apparently packing up his bags and headed on out of town because quid pro quo Joe ain't going to do too well here in New Hampshire. Probably a fourth place finish, if I had to guess now, and maybe even a fifth place. Who really knows? Oh, we've got an awful lot of coverage of, oh, Mayor Bloomberg, the guy that has spent millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars that he, nobody ever sees in what is an ad campaign, the backup hope when quid pro quo Joe likely fails. Uh-oh, his campaign may have died today. And I'll explain in all its ugly details uh, you got Joe Manchin literally saying that if Sanders is the nominee, I might vote for Trump. He said it on fake news CNN when, you know, support Sanders over Trump. If it came down to that, we'd have to see at the time he said. But he said, Sanders, I can tell you one thing. He's got a good heart and he wants to do the right thing. Who knows? Bernie might change and moderate just a little bit every now and then. No, that's never happening. He's a he's a socialist through and through. That's not going to happen. Uh, oh, one side note, non-related to the primary today in New Hampshire or the election, Lindsey Graham intends to grill Comey and McCabe and Yates and Rod Rosenstein and everybody else for the FISA investigations. Now, I know it's been long in coming, and I know we're waiting for the Durham report, and we know that we were completely vindicated with the Horowitz report, even though pretty much everybody in the media was out there chasing Russia conspiracies and lies that were proven untrue and everything we told you about the Espionage Act and obstruction and deleting subpoenaed emails, bleach bit hammers, a dirty Russian dossier, uh, likely Russian disinformation from the get-go, even now the New York Times admitting, yeah, we told you the truth. And then the bulk of information and the FISA applications. Yeah, that was premeditated fraud because they were all warned. Now we have Durham and we have Barr uh, now saying, yeah, it's all true. Pretty much it all happened. They spied on a candidate, a transition team and a president. Oh, and they denied one fellow American his civil liberties and constitutional rights. Uh, interesting side note is the DOJ is overruling Mueller's prosecutors on what they're calling grossly disproportionate, the sentencing recommendation for Roger Stone. Even the guy, I don't know who this liberal guy is that's friends with Stone. Well, listen, I've known Roger Stone for years. Roger Stone is, he's just a crazy character. He really is. I I mean, he he likes to be important. Let's be honest. But he's not dumb. I mean, how many, put it this way. How many people are going to get a tattoo of Richard Nixon? You got to be a little crazy to do that. But they've gone after this guy just like, they, you know, they want to throw Michael Flynn in jail. But Comey's been recommended, you know, and referred for investigation and criminal prosecution. McCabe has uh, struck and page and the whole rest of the deep state mob. And when we get to it, let's find out what Clapper, Brennan, uh, Susan Rice. Oh, and Barack Hussein Obama knew and when they knew it. We're never giving up that story. We're going to get there. Um, so all of that is out in the news today, but, but again, it's primary day. We had to guess it's going to come down to Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg and, but that's not even the big story either. I mean, we have a colossal collapse and even though everyone will tell you in the media mob, 
There is groupthink that exists in the United States of America, believe it or not. It's sad because every time the media mob and every Democrat that will tell you that quid pro quo, Joe, oh, there's, real, there's nothing really to any of this. No, not at all. You're not getting a billion dollars until you fire the prosecutor investigating my son who went on Good Morning America and admitted he had no experience in oil, gas, energy, or Ukraine. I'm sure every company wants to pay people with zero experience millions of dollars. We know what it is. You want to know why Joe Biden collapsed? Well, number one, he's mean to people. This is the third run-in with voters. Uh, You know, the thing that he said yesterday about, I can't even, the pony soldier. Yeah, I am the Iowa caucus. That's all I remember. So how do you explain the performance in Iowa? And why should the voters believe that you can win the national election? It's a good question. Number one, I was a Democratic caucus. I was a Democratic caucus. He's a caucus. No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You said you were, but you're, you're, now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. I was a Democratic caucus. I mean, not so. Uh, I did get into the Biden event last night. Whoa. You guys missed the fun. Uh, so Sensei's with me. Uh, I got the, you know, the TV team. Fox hired like 16 people. Because they thought I was, you know, it was World War Three would break out. You know, I did. I walked around the whole room. I did see buses of young kids that aren't a voting age coming off buses, though. Interesting, because it was a tiny crowd to begin with, and then it was okay, a little bit bigger, I think, because of the people in the buses that aren't of legal age to vote. How do I know? Because I talked to them, and then I went through the whole quid pro quo Joe thing with everybody, and then I went through. Well, 13 million more Americans, food stamps, 8 million more in poverty and the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s. And then I talked about Donald Trump's success. They weren't very open minded. Um, and then I, I brought up, oh, would you give uh, the mullahs in Iran 150 billion? I hate Donald Trump. That's the only answer you can get. One lady goes to me, you, you just never, you just, you never tell the truth ever, ever, ever. You know, and you, I said, OK, here's the microphone. Tell me one thing that I, I've ever said that's not true. I know it's true, but I, I, I but you, there's so many I can't. You know, but I don't even watch your show. Then how do you know I'm not telling the truth? I mean, it, it, it's just it's kind of too easy, but it was it was it was very entertaining. Uh, we showed some of it on TV tonight because I guess the news we won't be able to get a lot of it in today. It was look, you know, I did. So I will say this people that really won't think i guess there there's this image that is created by democrats which kind of leads into the whole bloomberg disaster for him today and they have been told every two and four years that republicans are racist republicans are sexist by the way i'm not even a republican i'm a registered conservative in new york okay uh that they're misogynist that they're xenophobic homophobic islamophobic You know, as Obama said, their plan is for dirty air and dirty water. No, I actually want clean air. I would like to breathe clean air into my lungs. And my my children, I would like my children to have clean air. And I'd like to drink clean water. I don't like dirty water. I don't like ugly water. I don't like Rustville water. I even pay for water because I want the best water that I can put in my body water. Uh, And we should be good stewards of the gifts that God gives us. God created the heavens and the earth. The majesty of God and his creation of universes within universes. 
And he gives us the honor to live here. And we have an awareness of him which separates us from the animals. And we have a conscience and a soul and an awareness that he exists. Now, we don't understand the great deep mystery of God, but we're not supposed to at this point in our infancy because it's really infancy that we're living in. So anyway, uh, and then they'll say that, oh, and they want uh, they want grandma and grandpa to die. And you get the commercials of Republicans throwing granny and grandpa over cliffs after years of eating dog food and cat food and not getting any medical attention whatsoever because Republicans are evil. But that's what they say. Well, now let's put this through the well, what if Donald Trump said it test, shall we? Let's just say. You know, we have Mayor Bloomberg. Now, you got to remember, he's mayor of New York. I, I'll be honest, I know nothing about the guy because he just was one big, dull, boring guy. I'm being blunt here. He was sort of the caretaker. He switched parties from being a Democrat because there was like 40 people running in the primary and there wasn't any Republican running. So he's not stupid. He said, well, I'll just say I'm a Republican. Everyone knows I'm a Democrat. I'll run as a Democrat. My platform will be Democratic. But I'm just going to go here and I won't have to go through the hell of that primary. Okay, and then he eventually switched over to independent and then he switched back to Democrat, which is what he is. Okay, now for 17 years, 12 as mayor, four through Comrade de Blasio, and then a year later, well, Mayor Bloomberg defended stop and frisk. And now where the emerging audio is, and we're going to play it all for you in the course of today's show, it's pretty bad. You know, like, for example, when he says, uh, police stop white people too much and minorities too little. He actually said that. He said that, yeah, police, we're, we're targeting minority kids and the cops must throw them up against the wall. Wow, that tape exists too. Again, what would happen to Donald J. Trump? What would the mob and the media be saying today if these words came from Donald Trump? And then he actually goes even further. And he, he says in one point in this, so, uh, you know, oh, my God, people say to me, oh, you're arresting kids for marijuana that are all minorities, not half, not 90 percent, all minorities. Yes, that's true. He's only arresting minority kids for marijuana. Now, what you know, I would think the laws apply equally. I believe in equal application of our laws, as all of you know, equal justice under the law. Yes, but he only is targeting minority kids for marijuana and drug use. Why, he says. Because, get ready for it, because we put all the cops, all of them, in minority neighborhoods. Oh, because that's where all the crime is. Now, I happen to have lived in New York, New York City, grew up in Long Island. I know New York pretty well. I have my offices in New York Radio and TV. And I can tell you, there are kids of all races that commit crimes in New York. There are gangs that are not minority as well in New York. Usually, if you want to be honest about it, where you have more crime and you have more drugs, and a lot of it's socioeconomically driven. So what have big city mayors done over the years to help build up, you know, and, and stop crime and create opportunity zones? Oh, you mean like Donald Trump is doing? He's the guy doing that. Uh, or create uh, let's see, record low unemployment, Hispanic Americans, African Americans, Asian Americans, women in the women in the workplace, youth unemployment, African American youth unemployment. That would be Donald Trump. Alice Marie Johnson. Well, yes, yeah, she got sent to jail for one uh, drug offense, nonviolent crime. And it was Donald Trump that not only commuted her sentence, 
Then he put in criminal justice reform because of disparate sentencing, unfair sentencing for minorities. Well, I guess that's why Donald Trump's approval rating among African-Americans and Hispanics has pretty much quadrupled since 2016. And I'm talking not about an outlier poll, but about by 10 polls. And then we said then he actually goes on further and say, you know, that you throw them up against the wall and you frisk them. Not that you stop and frisk. No, you throw them against the wall and frisk them. And by the way, I'm only getting started in terms of what uh, this guy trying to buy the Democratic nomination has said over the years. And, you know, for all the talk about Rudy now, stop and frisk and putting more police resources in the areas where higher crime is, is smart. But he is saying it's only one community. He's all the police resources. Only kids going to get arrested for drugs are minorities. If Donald Trump said any of this, yeah, I don't think the mob and the media would be as quiet as they're all acting today because they're trying to ignore it. And fake news, CNN, somebody texted me, said, oh, they, they, they haven't been able to confirm it's him saying it. Well, everybody else has confirmed it and you can hear his voice unless you're a dope and you just don't want to, you know, take now that Biden is dying in terms of political political viability and take the one guy that was setting up to be the alternative uh, doing all of this. Now, why did Mayor Bloomberg, after 17 years, decide, oh, no, 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 I'm going to cry crocodile tears and regret I ever did that because he's playing identity politics and he wants to be president. And, you know, like the Republican Party, the Democratic Party is a coalition party. And, oh, a big part of the Democratic vote is often African-Americans. So those crocodile tears I told you at the time I didn't buy. Uh, anyway. All right. How are you all doing today? It's primary day. We're in New Hampshire. Love New Hampshire. It's a little cold for me, but I love New Hampshire. I can't put my finger on the whole story yet, but something is going on that is deep and that is profound, and that has a lot to do with uh, the DOJ speaking out, saying, no, the sentencing you're saying for Roger Stone is over the top. By the way, what they did with Roger Stone's case was over the top. Frogmen in the backyard, 50 other people. What they did with Manafort. All they needed to do is call the lawyers and say, you need to show up by 9 a.m. or we're going to send our guys to you. But no, they had cameras at Manafort's arrest. Why? To scare the crap, abuse power. Scare the crap out of people. I, you know, I don't know what Roger did or didn't do. I didn't see anything wrong with it. You know, that he, I don't know what he's done. You know, it was stupid for people not to pay their taxes, and it's stupid if you lie on a loan application. It's dumb. But I will tell you, the double standard is clear. But now what's happened is very interesting because the prosecutor, remember the DOJ weighing in and saying, no, we're not going along with your seven to nine-year sentencing recommendation, you know, for Roger Stone, what, apparently lying? That's it. You know, Comey's free. He was referred. He had a referral for lying. He's still out there being a super patriot. Same with McCabe and all these other people. I guess only if you're, you know. But the D, the DOJ prosecutor, Zelensky, resigned after withdrawing from the Roger Stone case. I mean, I, th- these people are not going to be happy unless old people die in jail. Some, look where they treated Michael Flynn. There's something happening that's very deep. I'm telling you, this is a big deal. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. We are in the live free, die granite state of New Hampshire. It was fun last night going to the 
Biden event, sparsely attended as it was, even with young people that can't be of voting age there. But I actually had a good time. So there were people that wanted to hate me. This one lady said, wow, you look so much skinnier and younger and taller in person. So I'm like, oh, so I'm a fat, short, old guy on TV. Is that what you're saying? Basically. <laughs> I mean, they were, I mean, that's what she's saying. I mean, essentially, they want to hate you. But the problem is that you walk in and you're nice and you say hello. You know, they're used know. to Antifa. So they just assume that everyone's violent and crazy. Let Sensei sit next to you here because he. Come here, was, Sensei. Come on, Sensei. Be there. Uh, because, no, he was there. And so this is Sensei Glenn. And I keep telling you my passion for martial arts and mixed uh, martial arts. We do Krav Maga, Kempo, Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, boxing, sticks, blade, firearm training, all, all the, do we, you have to actually talk closely to a microphone. It's radio. I know you're good at, you're a lawyer, a Wall Street guy, and a great sensei. Thank you, sir. Uh, all right. So you were there for the whole time. You were right there with me. Yes. Okay. How would you describe what happened? Well, I thought everybody warmed up to you real quick. They wanted to hate me, right? They did. And uh, you charmed them all. You're polite. You're nice. You say we can uh, agree to disagree. But and there was the one guy, he, he, the guy that turned his back. He turned his back on you. You could see, he was like seething hatred. I mean, it was, the, the, the sight of me, it was like Alka-Seltzer in water. It just was, it was bubbling and fizzing before our eyes. Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm like tapping his thing. And I'm like, look at this guy, he's out of his freaking mind. We're laughing, our, we're laughing, our, you know what? It off. was very funny. Very yeah. funny. Uh, so, Sensei, how long have you been training me now? Uh, about seven years. Seven, all right, now. Explain to people because they ask me all the time because I always say it's a it's a eclectic blend of the arts. Yes. Um, and blade, you know, Krav Maga, oh. Kempo, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yes. So the, the the arts that that you train in is Filipino martial arts, which is Kali, a screamer, and Arnis. We do some kickboxing, Kempo, submission grappling. Um, we put all that together to have one uh, comprehensive system. And we do blade, firearms, uh, stick training, yes. uh, boxing. That's all in the Filipino arts. Right. And then we mix in some of the Israeli arts, which is the crowd. And we do a lot of situational yes, you know, preparation. And a lot of fitness. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Fitness. A lot of fitness. Explain what pain day is. Pain day. So uh, Sean gets hit. Hard. It gets hit hard. I had to show. I, next time we have Lawrence on, Lawrence Jones, who we love. I love Lawrence Jones. Uh, he was there. And so... I let Sensei do pain day on my arm. My arm's like blown up at twice its size today because he hits that hard. I mean, you're so dense with your hits. And then he hits me, how many, what, four times, four shots to the stomach. Four shots to the stomach, four he, shots to by the, the way, forearm. He didn't do this five, because you always drop me purposely on the fifth shot. You bring me down. Maybe. No, you do. I mean, not, but that's why I do, you know, hundreds of sit ups and yes. push ups every day. Absolutely. All right. So. It was overall. Oh, and how many black belts do you have? Be honest. You don't, I know you don't like to talk about it. How many? J.C. Penny, black belt. Yeah, all right. Why, why is it? <laughs> how many black belts do you have? Seven. Seven. That okay. And how many do multiple? We have degrees? multiple degrees uh, of each right. belt. So each you system. worked at Wall Street for how many years? So I was uh, I was a securities trader in the beginning, and I was always trained in martial arts. And then I used to do some. And fighting. you're a lawyer. Uh, I did. Uh, I went and got my Juris Doctor degree right. while I was in a family business. Right. And but I was always into training. But this is your passion. This is my passion. And you want to? You literally want to take a vacation? And your vacation, you told me, is you want to go to what? Thailand? Yes, I love to go to a Thai camp in, a th in Thailand. And, and you go, you want to go to a Thai camp? And tell explain. You want to go to every camp 
that performs the arts and fight yes. at every one of them. Yes, I do. I mean, literally, no holds barred. Uh, it, it, well, it, basically what you do is there, you, you do full contact sparring. Uh, with tie fighting, you don't go to the ground. Right. It's elbows and knees, and you would wear some gear so everyone walks out of there, but you can go for a 7-10 day program, and basically everyone beats the crap out of each other. So I've been training four or five days a week with you for seven years. Yes, sir. And so everybody else in the dojo, when I do have time to, to train with other people, because we're like a family, and by yes. the way, very respectful, we bow in. You know, if we're, if we're doing weapon work, we, we put our weapons down, we show honor to the to the arts? Yes. The way I say it, it's a modern approach, traditional values. Okay. But like when I'm doing my thing with you-know-who especially, um, like I'll have gear on and, and everyone's told, listen, you can't hit him in the head. You can't hit him in the face because he's got to go to work tomorrow. I think everybody would respect you a little bit more with, <laughs> the, bl- with the black guy. <laughs> no, because we hit hard. I mean, this is we, we don't hurt. I mean, we're not going to break bones. We tap out. If somebody gets us in a hole, we're very quick, very respectful. Nobody wants to get hurt. We, res- we respect each other not to hurt each other. Yes. But we want to win when we're, when we're grappling, when, we're, when, we're, when we go full contact. We, we want to push each other real hard. We, we want to train. You know, you fight the way you train, train the way you fight. But you got to admit, I take a lot of crap because I work on TV and I can't go to, to work with a busted face every day. You could. <laughs> that's called makeup uh, anyway um i'm glad you could come and i know that some guys are mad because they're missing their training because of me but uh anyway thanks to all our friends in our dojo it's uh, by the way north shore martial arts is where you you that's your dojo yes um all right now let me play michael bloomberg and again this is all the stuff that i'm telling you you know imagine if this was donald j trump you know, out there saying, well, just zero. Hey, hey, Sean. Yeah. I just need to interrupt for one second. What? I just want you to know that we're family. Been with you a long time. What? And if you ever need me to punch you for free (laughs) or kick you to make you feel strong, I am... I am here for me. I'm here for you, I, my I, friend. I, I just want you to know that. I don't want to waste much more time. I, the, this me, is not wait. This is this is a show of love. And, so when we you know. go on the road, what do we do at night? I always invite all the tech people, all the camera people, all the behind the scenes. People. Oh, you turn into a bartender. No, we we call them the Hannity dinners. Yeah. They're, they're like classic. They become, Absolutely, everybody loves it. Mm-hmm. Right. And you didn't show up last night. With Blair didn't show up either. And, you know, really pissed me off, but I'm not going to talk oh, about well, that we're, part. Oh, we're at the Redheaded Stepchild uh, Hotel about 30 minutes outside of uh, your luxurious yeah. and, stay. And, and, I, and where do I order my food? Here, because it's better than at my hotel. Anyway, long story short. Hold on, I'm not done crying yet. Okay, I'm done now. Go ahead. Okay. So, last night, nobody believes that I train hard. That's why I think they think I'm full of Who crap. Who doesn't believe you? I believe you. You're manorexic no. now. So, so Lawrence Jones is there, and I said, you don't believe me. I said, all right. So I stood up, and we did pain day. I mean, and it is the hardest hit. You, I mean, this guy can hit. Well, I can see your arms today. The, oh, the right arm right. looks terrible. So I said to Lawrence, I just did four shots each. You take one, and I'll give you $100 for each shot. He goes, no, man. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not going. God bless him. And, he's, and you know, Lawrence, big, built, strong guy. Yeah. Like, I'm not doing that. He's a man of God. Everybody's like shocked. They all think I'm nuts now. I do think you're crazy. I have no idea how I got so passionate about this. Well, listen, I just want you to know that I'm here for you. And as you as we're on the road this year, election 2020, if you need a good slap, good kick, good punch in the gut, I'm your girl. All right. All All right. right. Let's go. 
So imagine Donald Trump Jr. says, oh, about all the murderers and, you know, well, they fit one M.O. Well, you can just take the description. This is what he says about minorities. You Xerox it and you pass it out to all cops because they, again, they are males and minorities 16 to 25. And that's virtually true in every city in America. Now, that's a pretty broad, sweeping generalization. And then he goes on to, you know, justify that, well, we put uh, 100% of the cops, all of the cops in minority neighborhoods. And he even says is that, oh, yeah, by the way, people say, oh, my God, Mr. Mayor, you're, you're arresting kids for marijuana and they're all minorities. And he goes, yeah, that's true. They're all minorities. Well, it's not true because there are, I see them in New York. You can't, you can't escape the stench, the skunk stench of that crap that these kids smoke. It's so disgusting. Anyway, yeah, oh, yeah, we're only, only minorities. And then he, said, then he said, because we put all, not some, all the cops in minority neighborhoods. Uh, that's where all the crime is. Not some, all of it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Donald Trump had said all of this. And it even gets worse. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, if Donald Trump said this, you know, and then he talks about throwing minority kids when you're doing it up against the wall. I'm like, wow, Xerox it, same description. I'm, a, I, I'm stunned. And that is now the guy that's supposed to be the backup candidate for the failing quid pro quo Joe. Listen. Yeah, but we have the whole tape. Listen, you got to listen closely. We'll show it on TV tonight. 95 percent of your murders and murderers and murder victims fit one MO. You can just take the description, Xerox it, and pass it out to all the cops. They are male minorities, 15 to 25. That's true in New York. It's true in virtually every city. And that's where the real crime is. You've got to get the guns out of the hands of the people that get killed. She's going to be wondering, send the money to a lot of cops in the street, put those cops where the crime is, which means in the minority neighborhood. So it's one of the unintended consequences is people say, oh my God, you are arresting kids for marijuana, they're all minority. Yes, that's true. Why? Because we put all the cops in the minority neighborhood. Yes, that's true. Why do we do it? Because that's where all the crime is. And the way you get the guns out of the kids' hands is uh, to throw them against the wall and frisk them. And then they start, they say, oh, I don't want that, I don't want to get caught, so they don't bring the gun. They still have a gun, but they leave it at home. Again, run that through the prism of, uh, let's say that was Donald J. Trump saying it. Now, the mob and the media, we've been purposely, like, flipping around the channels today. I don't really see the wall-to-wall coverage you might expect if, Donald Trump had said it because that's who they this is the media mob. This is the two years, four years, every four or Republicans are racist, sexist. Oh, elect a Republican and a black churches, uh, black crosses are going to burn. And, you know, then the, the Al Gore goes into a predominantly African-American audience and he gets into his uh, uh, preacher cadence. Republicans have the wrong agenda for African-American. They don't even want to count you in the census. I ain't feel no ways tired, and Hillary Clinton, remember her? I mean, the, 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 whole, the whole speaking approach changes. But now, every two and four years, well, people ask for votes, 
well, decades of, of big city rule. We have 13 high schools in a predominantly minority neighborhoods in Baltimore with not one child can read and do math that is proficient in either one. What did liberal Democrats do to fix it? You know, I think I'm the only one on TV that has scrolled the names of every person that have been shot in Chicago year after year after year, all during the Obama presidency. Democratic run, Democratic rule, many of the minorities. That's our family. That's our American family that is being slaughtered every day. And we don't help them. Democrats, why don't they fix that? I'm, what, we can't fix it? We don't fix it? We don't. Why don't they fix it? Now, okay, Republicans or Donald Trump so racist, well, his policies have set record after record after record for minorities in America. You know, where under Biden, Obama, those negatively and disproportionately impacted by the policies of Biden, Obama, were minorities, 13 million more Americans, food stamps, 8 million more poverty, lowest labor participation rate in the 70s. Fast forward three years of Donald Trump, nearly 8 million new jobs, 8 million fewer people on food stamps, millions out of poverty, and the biggest beneficiaries well, record low unemployment, African-Americans, uh, Hispanic-Americans, Asian-Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, African-American youth unemployment. Wow. And guess what? The be biggest beneficiaries in terms of real wage growth and, and financial gain are the bottom 50 percent of wage earners. By the way, I got killed by the Trump tax cuts because now I can't deduct the, the ridiculously high New York state taxes I used to be able to deduct, which frankly was an unfair benefit to me and every other New Yorker because we elect stupid politicians that tax us. People in Florida and Texas don't get that because they elect smart politicians. It's unbelievable. And of course, I mentioned Alice Marie Johnson and disparate sentencing. Who fixed it? Who got rid? Who did criminal justice? That would be Donald J. Trump. Now he's have 10 polls the last few months. You know, he's nearly up on average four times the support in the black community. Why? For the he's helping. He's doing it. He's getting the job done. In spite of the platitudes and the bumper stickers and the the cheap rhetoric and the cheap politics you hear every two and four years that's disgraceful. Well, where are the Democrats? What have they done? Except talk every two years and accuse others. It's an old playbook. They keep over the old playbook. You know what? Joe Biden gets, you can't work at a dunk, go into a Dunkin' Donuts or 7-Eleven um, uh, unless you have a slight Indian accent. What if Donald Trump said that? Oh, man, you got Barack Obama. He's, he's clean. You got the first. And articulate. First one. First mainstream. Yeah. Who is articulate mainstream. and bright. And articulate, and bright. Clean. And, and clean. Nice looking. Guy. Mm. I mean, nice looking. That's a storybook. Storybook, as if that's not every day. What the hell is that? I'm tired of this, this game that they play. You know what? They're playing games with people's lives. Our American family, we're not, we're, we need to want everybody to be happy, prosperous, successful, with good schools, a nice neighborhood, a good home, a decent car, family, vacation. Good grief. These people are so phony. That's what's at stake in 266 days.
You can just take the description, Xerox it, and pass it up all the time. They are male, minority, 15, 21. That's true in New York, it's true in virtually every city. And that's where the real crime is. You've got to get the guns out of the hands of the people that get you killed. So you've got to, if you want to spend the money, put a lot of cops in the street, put those cops where the crime is, which means in minority neighborhoods. So it's one of the unintended consequences is people say, oh my God, you are arresting kids for marijuana that are all minority. Yes. That's true. Why? Because we put all the cops in the minority neighborhood. Yes, that's true. Why we do it? Because that's where all the crime is. And the way you get the guns out of the kids' hands is uh, to throw them against the wall and frisk them. And then they start, they say, oh, I don't want that. I don't want to get caught. So they don't bring the gun. They still have a gun, but they leave it at home. They just keep saying, oh, it's a disproportionate percentage of a particular ethnic group. That may be, but it's not a disproportionate percentage of those who witnesses and victims describe as committing the murder. In that case, incidentally, I think we disproportionately stop whites too much and minorities too little. And our crime strategies and tools, including stop, question, frisk, have made New York City the safest big city in America. The fact that stops match up with crime statistics and the fact that our police officers on patrol, the majority of whom are black, Hispanic, or members of other ethnic or racial minorities, make an average about less than one stop a week. Victims and perpetrators of crime are disproportionately young minority men. That's just a fact. You can look at the victims, you can Look at who we arrest. You can ask witnesses and victims for descriptions. It's a couple of uh, one newspaper and one news service. They just keep saying, oh, it's a disproportionate percentage of a particular ethnic group. That may be, but it's not a disproportionate percentage of those who witnesses and victims describe as committing the murder. In that case, incidentally, I think we disproportionately stop whites too much and minorities too little. All right, as we uh, start our two Sean Hannity show, 800-941-SEAN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. Two stunning developments as we continue broadcasting from New Hampshire, the primary ongoing even as we speak, and that is uh, Joe Biden is gone out of the state. He's done. He's packed. He's leaving. Another expected dismal performance by him here, probably fourth, maybe even fifth when all the votes well, if they learn how to count votes in the Democratic Party, that would be a big start. Um, you hear now then Mayor Bloomberg. Now, you got to remember here, he made a big deal once he decided to get into this presidential race that, oh, and teary-eyed, crocodile tears, and I was so wrong. And he's mayor 12 years, and I would argue a caretaker mayor. I mean, he basically did very little except annoyed New Yorkers uh, telling us, how big our drinks can be, and whether or not there could be salt on the table uh, in restaurants. Short of that, he, he kept in place and defended in ways Rudy Giuliani never did, uh, stop and frisk. And when you hear that montage that we just played for you there, uh, where he goes on and on, it's, it's not disproportionate percentage of witnesses and victims describing, uh, describe as committing the crime and I think we disproportionately stop whites too much and minorities too little. And meanwhile, then he goes on to say that, yeah, we should have we put every one of our cops in minority communities. 
and is bragging about it. Now, the White House has reacted to this. Uh, Brad Pascal, uh, the president, you know, head of his campaign, tweeting out, yeah, hashtag Bloomberg's a racist. That's how big this has gone viral. The there was only 11 percent of stops last year were based on suspicion that the individuals committed any crime whatsoever. And, you know, so you got Mayor Bloomberg defending this madness uh, again and again. Throw them up. Throw those minorities up against the wall, as he said. Yeah, we target minority kids. Absolutely. And cops must throw them up against the wall. And then he goes on saying, yeah, I I want 100 percent of our cops in in minority neighborhoods. One hundred percent. Unbelievable. Anyway, here to help break all of this down, what impact this is going to have on the race. And what if Donald Trump had ever said this? We have Geraldo Rivera, Fox News legal analyst with us, Pastor Daryl Scott, chairman of the Urban Revitalization Coalition, Vince Ellison, conservative columnist, lecturer, author of the book, The Iron Triangle. Uh, Guys, thank you both for being with us. Uh, Let's start with you, Geraldo. Um, uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty stunned when you hear it. I'm like, it kind of takes my breath away. And I guarantee you that this was leaked by the Democrats, not any Republican. Well, You know, uh, I see Bloomberg's past and his history differently than most people. You know, I was on the uh, air radio in New York uh, during those years, and uh, I thought, I mean, to my eye, New York City born and um, almost all of my years spent there, that stop and frisk worked to take uh, guns off the street. In fact, when I moved here to Cleveland to be Pastor Scott's neighbor, uh, I was uh, wistfully uh, wishing that they had stop and frisk here in Cleveland, where the murder rate is is disproportional. I'm disappointed. But, but no, no, but no what, you're, like what, you're, what you're saying, what, hang on though. What you're saying is very different in your description than what he's saying, the way he's saying it, and his description. You know, you can hear the tone, the arrogance, and I'll be honest, Geraldo. If any Republican ever said it, I don't think they'd survive as a candidate, would they? Well, he said it just the way he said it. I'm sure. <laughs> no, he, well, you know, we know. Wait a minute. He really never was a Republican. He did it to avoid a, a crowded Democratic field. Let's be honest that, here, Geraldo. That, that, that is that is true. But you and I together, I remember, were in favor of all of the uh, uh, police activism to get the squeegee windshield wiper guys. And uh, uh, you know, I'm not the, talking the, about. The, I'm not talking about that. And, we're not talking about even like stopping first. We're talking about what he. Bloomberg. We're talking about what he said and how he said it. He's All right, let me go. To, let me go. To, no, I, I, I'm I'm disappointed that he's so ashamed of his past that he's running away from it. But it's not going to work because you know the thing about tape is it's it's indelible. You can't get rid of it. It's uh, he's, uh, he bless his okay. fingerprints. That's why you got to pick a lane. But for life. 17 years now, he only brings this up. Uh, uh, Vince uh, Ellison, he only brings it up now because 17 years later, oh, I want to run for president. And, you know, both the Democratic and Republican Party are coalition parties, and he's playing identity politics, and he knows that, oh, it's unpopular with African-American voters. So let me say that I'm so sorry that I really did all of this and believe this for 17 years, because I think when he said that he was lying, and I thought those were crocodile tears. Well, look, this, this is a Rodney King tape of this election cycle. Um, I've said for years that the Democrats always looked at, uh, looked at black people as being dangerous, and uh, they've always wanted to disarm them ever since the end of slavery. Uh, the right to defend oneself and to keep them better arms is an unalienable right. That is a right that is irrevocable, non-transferable, given you by God. 
cannot be taken away by man. It's absolute. And whenever you see a large group of black people come together and, and the Democrats get in power, the first thing they want to do is disarm black men because they're stupid and they want to control them. And if you want to stop the crime in these black areas, let the law-abiding people in those areas defend themselves. The police won't do it. You know, you have this, you have this, uh, uh, this crazy schizophrenia where the left says that the police are trying to kill black men, that uh, white supremacy is on the rise. We have a governor here in the state of Virginia that's in blackface beside the side of Klansman. They want to even say that Donald Trump is a racist, which I don't believe. But their solution to this is to disarm all the black men in America so that these racists and these police can beat the hell out of them and kill them and put them in jail. See, that's crazy. But that's their solution. So what does Bloomberg do? He says that we are going to disarm all the law-abiding citizens and let the criminals have guns. But then when the people try, because the police won't protect them or can't protect them, when they decide to practice their unalienable right to defend themselves, they get pushed up against the wall, they get accosted, and they get taken to jail. No one has a right to tell me how to defend myself. I am a black man in America. I am a free man. My, 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 my right to defend myself is absolute. I am free. No one tells me how to defend myself. The government, if it tries to do it, that's when we go into resistance mode. And that's what they're doing in the state of Virginia right now. Because they're not following Well, let me go to, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me bring in Pastor Scott. Because at one point he says, oh, oh my God, you're arresting kids for marijuana that are all minorities. Bloomberg says, yes, that's true. He actually says, yeah, we're only going after minority kids for marijuana. Then he goes further. (laughs) You know why he said? Because we put all, not half, not 95, we put all the cops in minority neighborhoods. And he said, because that's where the crime is. Wow. Imagine if Donald Trump said that. Yeah, listen, first of all, Bloomberg is not a serious candidate anyway, but you can stick a fork in him now because he's done. There's a scripture in the Bible that talks about your sin finding you out. His sin has found him out. Now, the thing about Bloomberg is this. He has the stereotypical racist mindset against blacks and browns, uh, he, that they are the source of the crime in the communities, that they are the, the, the dregs of society. And the thing about Stop and frisk is that, you know, I'm not anti-stop and frisk, like Gerardo said, but stop and frisk has to be indiscriminate. Stop and frisk does indeed save lives, but you cannot target certain races. Excuse me. Let me be very blunt here. Hang on a second. There are kids in every race committing crimes. Now, if it's a neighborhood, disproportionate uh, amount of violence or crime, you're certainly going to add more police resources. That's not what he's saying here. Oh no, we only no, target not. we only target minority kids, and uh, that he actually uh, you talk about a broad sweeping generalization. That is where all the crime is. Uh, excuse notice, me, that's total BS. There are kids uh, in any race and background that are are troubled kids in in troubled areas. Usually, we're going to be honest here. It transcends race. It has to do more with socioeconomics. It has to do with poverty. It has, you know, plenty of people from every race in poverty in America. Uh, Pastor, you know what it's like. I know what you've done. You're in your church in in Cleveland. You've done a lot for the uh, people of of Cleveland of all races. You're helping anybody that's in need of help. Yeah, but notice what he said also, uh, Sean. He said, throw them up against the wall. You know, basically snatch these thugs out of their cars. We don't know what 
these people, you know, just uh, he's, he's he's doing a broad breast sweep on all of them. Just pull them out of the car and, and throw them up against the wall. And, and, you know, that is the way he wants them to be handled. And so, once again, if Donald Trump said something like this, if a tape of Trump saying something like this surfaced, there would be national outrage, CNN and, and dumb Don Lemonhead and all of the race baiters and race trade, race hustlers would be having a field day with this, but they're uh, being kind of, they're not right. outraged like that over, over Bloomberg. Stay, stay right there. Uh, this is too important a discussion to have. I think this is now, I, I think, I think you're all right. I think this is a game changer. And uh, I will tell you now we have other factors involved and that is Donald Trump. He's the guy that has created one economic uh, record after another for minority Americans. He's the guy that got rid of disparate sentencing and criminal justice reform. Wasn't any Democrat. They promised it. They never got it done. All right, as we continue, uh, we're probably going to hold our guests. We have uh, Geraldo Rivera, Vince Ellison, and Pastor Daryl Scott with us. Geraldo, you know, you're looking at this too. Okay, you, you're, we're only arresting kids that are minorities for marijuana. Really? And we're putting every cop only in minority neighborhoods. You know, and I know, in New York, uh, there are kids from all backgrounds. If you disagree, tell me. It's usually socioeconomic related that are that are doing this stuff. We got to go after every kid that is 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 in trouble. You go where the higher concentration of crime is, but you don't ignore everyone else, and you just go after one race because that's what he's saying here. Well, to me, what Bloomberg's biggest sin, Sean, is not that he used stop and frisk or. A, a tactic that impacted one particular community more harshly than others. The problem with Bloomberg is he's a hypocrite, uh, that he endorsed these policies and took people like me with him. Uh, Ray Kelly, his terrific uh, police commissioner, we watched crime drop in New York. And then, however, when he wanted to run in an area where demographically uh, that didn't play as well as it played in New York City, Geraldo, hang on. Looking back on his history and changing his mind. That's the thing that he, bugs me, that he, he doesn't have he the courage said, of his convictions. He said police stop white people too much and minorities too little. But he said he put all the cops in, in minority neighborhoods. Now, if Donald Trump said that, Geraldo, game over, yes or no? Well, I agree with Pastor Scott that President Trump has now taken a brilliant turn uh, in a way that, with full disclosure, has embraced the African-American and Latino communities, ah. riding the wave of this employment uh, boom and uh, the fact that uh, minority unemployment is at historic lows. Donald Trump is Let's making take a an break. argument that resonates, that he's the true civil rights leader, not Bloomberg. That Trump's way. All right, let's get to that on the other side of the break. We're going to hold you guys over because this is too important a discussion, and we're expanding it out. More with Geraldo, Vince, and Pastor Scott on the other side. As we continue, we're in New Hampshire. It is primary day. Full coverage on Hannity tonight at 9 from New Hampshire. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. We're in New Hampshire. It is New Hampshire primary day. Two big stories emerging one, Joe Biden apparently decided it's not going to go well here and he's on his way out of the state. Uh, live free or die. Well, we'll die and we'll go to South Carolina and try and pick up our political uh, chips and fortunes there. Uh, and the other is, you know, Mayor Bloomberg. By the way, nobody ever sees the guy. He's just been spending millions and zillions and millions of dollars on ads. And, you know, 17 years support stop and frisk. That's not really even the issue here. Now we've got these tapes that have emerged about him, and it is shocking where he said, oh, you're only, 
you know, you're arresting kids for marijuana. They're all minorities only. They're not really. And he said, because we're only putting cops. We put all the cops in minority areas. Why? Because that's where all the crime is. What? That's not a broad sweeping generalization. I would argue that it probably is. Let's listen to the montage of Mayor Bloomberg that we've been talking about all day, including, oh, yeah, cops must throw uh, minority kids up against the wall. And our crime strategies and tools, including stop, question, frisk, have made New York City the safest big city in America. The fact that stops match up with crime statistics and the fact that our police officers on patrol, the majority of whom are black, Hispanic, or members of other ethnic or racial minorities, make an average about less than one stop a week. Victims and perpetrators of crime are disproportionately young minority men. That's just a fact. You can look at the victims, you can Look at who we arrest. You can ask witnesses and victims for descriptions. It's a couple of uh, one newspaper and one news service. They just keep saying, oh, it's a disproportionate percentage of a particular ethnic group. That may be, but it's not a disproportionate percentage of those who witnesses and victims describe as committing the murder. In that case, incidentally, I think we disproportionately stop whites too much and minorities too little. And our crime strategies and tools, including stop, question, frisk, have made New York City the safest big city in America. The fact that stops match up with crime statistics and the fact that our police officers on patrol, the majority of whom are black, Hispanic, or members of other ethnic or racial minorities, make an average about less than one stop a week. Victims and perpetrators of crime are disproportionately young minority men. That's just a fact. You can look at the victims. You can look at who we arrest. You can ask witnesses and victims for descriptions. So it's a couple of uh, uh, one newspaper and one news service. They just keep saying, oh, it's a disproportionate percentage of a particular ethnic group. That may be, but it's not a disproportionate percentage of those who witnesses and victims describe as committing the murder. In that case, incidentally, I think we disproportionately stop whites too much and minorities too little. All right, there's Michael Bloomberg again. All right, now um, we continue with Geraldo Rivera, uh, who is with us, uh, who made a really good point as we were going to break. Uh, Pastor Daryl Scott is with us, uh, author of The Iron Triangle. Vince Ellison is with us. Uh, Vince, uh, there is this issue, and I've been pointing it out, and others seem to be ignoring it, and that is these are no longer outlier polls, but you've got the president who only got 8% of the African-American vote in 2016, the lowest poll that I've seen in the last two and a half months, three months with the African-American community, 16%, uh, all the way up to 34.5%, and you have three polls in the 30s. I mean, that, that's game changing. Then you've got Hispanic Americans, same thing. Then we've got record low unemployment, African-Americans, Asian-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, women in the workplace. And then you've got Alice Marie Johnson, who we had on this program last week. Not only was she released, but that then led to criminal justice reform that Democrats have talked about and never implemented when they had an opportunity. And I'll add one other thing here and then I'll shut up. You look at every big city. 
that has been run by liberal Democrats for decades. Every two and four years, you hear from liberal politicians, Republicans are racist, they're sexist, they're a xenophobic, misogynist. You know the list. They say it every, Republicans are racist. Uh, well, conservative policies are now helping African-Americans like never before. Disparate sentencing now is ending because of Donald J. Trump. And the question is, will this now turn into perhaps a transition that I've been looking for? Because I, 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 I would never be friends with a racist, nor would any conservative I know be friends with him. It is repugnant. We're all children of God. Every one of us. God made every one of us. And the idea that there are repugnant people out there that are racist that may say they're conservative, I want nothing to do with those people. Anyway, is this going to translate into votes? Uh, I guarantee it will. Um, I say in my book, The Iron Triangle, that white conservative Christians have nothing more to apologize for. Uh, everything that's wrong in the black community can be fixed in the black community. And Donald Trump has transcended it. He's talked over the press. He, didn't, he says, I'm no longer going to have to ask to go into your pool pits. I'm not going to ask to be in your newspapers. He got on television. He got on Twitter. Every time he gives a speech, he tells what he's doing for the black community. And black people are listening to him. Uh, he's done something that's been completely different, and it's been appreciated. I'm out here in the streets every day, and I'm talking to black people every day. And no matter what CNN says or MSNBC, no matter what they say, it is resonating. People have jobs. I saw this great poll on CNN the other day that said 90% of the people in America are satisfied with their lives right now. That's amazing. 90% are satisfied. Donald Trump is doing a great job. I support him 100%. This thing with Mike Bloomberg is just, uh, as I said, it's a Rodney King take. This is what they do all the time. This is how they feel. Mike slipped up, and he allowed people to find out that this is how they feel. They disarm the population. They pump drugs down in the community. They destroy the public education system. They will not allow conservatives to come down and help repair the system. They take these people and they isolate them. And then they just basically treat them like brute beasts. Uh, we have found a way, and technology has given us an opportunity to go around them and talk right to them. And Donald Trump is going to be a game changer. I mean, this is going to be something big, and I'm just glad to be a part of it. Your take, Pastor Scott. Well, the thing about this whole Bloomberg incident is the fact that what he expressed is the way a lot of the Democrats view blacks and minorities. Uh, what did Hillary call us? Super predators. What did she say needed to be done? She said we needed to be brought to heel. He's not the only one that thinks like that. Notice something on that tape. Whoever he was speaking to, his audience, they were a lot in agreement. I didn't hear any protests from the audience. I didn't hear anyone say, hey, wait a minute. You know, it was a Democrat crowd that he spoke in front of, and he was simply echoing the sentiments. He was playing to his base by saying that. The one thing that the black community does now is the black community realizes that the left-wing media has been playing us for a long time. Uh, the the left-wing media told us that, that old white men posed an existential threat to all of mankind. But now all you see is old white candidates in the Democratic primaries, all of the uh, – the, the, the blacks that they held up to us to show their diversity have been have gone by the wayside. So Bloomberg is simply saying what a lot of others on that Democratic side, in that Democratic Party, really think. I'm not surprised. And all it does is validate 
uh, Donald Trump even more and causing people to realize that, listen, they've been playing us. They've been trying to feed us a, a line about this guy. He's not the way that they say he is. In fact, they're the way that they're saying he is. So I, I agree with my brother. It's going to be a great time for us, and uh, President Trump will benefit through these revelations uh, from Bloomberg. All right, quick break. We'll come back from New Hampshire. Uh, it is primary day. All right, as we continue with Geraldo Rivera and Vince Ellison and Pastor Daryl Scott, Bloomberg's comments, uh, continuing our broadcast this primary day from New Hampshire. You know, let me go to you, Geraldo, because at the end of the day, you look at, I, I know where you now live. You live near Pastor Scott. You lived in New York City. No, 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 seriously. Every two and four years, Geraldo, you, you and I have been in this game a long time. You're a little longer than me, by the way. I'm a little younger than you. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, that's probably true, actually. Do you have kids older than me? You might. I, I don't know. Here's the deal. Every two and four years, Republicans are racist. Every, you know, if elect Republicans, a Democratic Party had 98 in Missouri, uh, uh, black, uh, black crosses are going to burn. Uh, Republicans don't even want to count you in the census, Al Gore once said. Uh, we know that, uh, the, the, remember the James Byrd ad, it's like my father was killed all over again, yet Bush supported the death penalty when, when that vicious, evil murder took place, but he didn't support hate crimes legislation. When you don't vote, you let another church explode. When you don't vote, you allow another cross to burn. When you don't vote, you let another assault wound a brother or sister. When you don't vote, you let the Republicans continue to cut school lunches and hit start. I mean, you got the first sort of mainstream African-American yeah. who is articulate and bright and... And, and clean, nice-looking guy. He said in the first hundred days, he's going to let the big banks once again write their own rules. Unchain Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. Don't tell me we live in a colorblind society. The Republicans know that theirs is the wrong agenda for African Americans. That's why they don't even want to count you in the census. They're doing everything they can to stop black people, Latinos, poor people, young people, people with disabilities from voting. It's a blast from the Jim Crow past. I thought we had won that battle back in the 1960s. They, not you, have an ally in the White House. This time, they have an ally. They're a small percentage of the American people, virulent people. Some of them the dregs of society. On June 7, 1998, in Texas, my father was killed. He was beaten, chained, and then dragged three miles to his death, all because he was black. So when Governor George W. Bush refused to support hate crimes legislation, it was like my father was killed all over again. Call George W. Bush and tell him to support hate crimes legislation. We won't be dragged away from our future. This is, this is a myth and a lie that has been perpetrated uh, against conservatives for years, and I resent the hell out of it, and I'm glad conservative policies work for all of our American family, as we can now see, record after record demolished. I see something very fundamental happening here. 
going back to what Vince said and, and what Pastor Scott said. The president in his State of the Union, in his recognition of the Tuskegee Airmen and his promotion, and with his, uh, with his talk about the Opportunity Zone, and with his talk about uh, criminal justice reform, what Donald Trump is doing is, is fundamentally reshaping the old stereotypical lines that you mentioned, Sean, oh, Republicans are all racist. What the president is doing by campaigning as a Democrat, uh, in essence, is being a, a game changer in the sense that he's going to make Republicanism much more of, a, uh, of, a, of a, an appealing alternative to African-American voters and Latino voters and reshape what has fundamentally been, you know, the urban Democrats uh, run by Democrats and uh, the Democratic machine and all that stuff. And the Democrats are good and Republicans are bad and they're slave owners and this crap and that crap. Uh, I think that what we have to continue to applaud in the president's evolution is that this genius in recognizing this unserved, underserved community that has been taken for granted, as Vin says, and stereotype. Tell these people, this is the American dream. You can make it. You can, you know, live anywhere you want to. You could be friends with anyone. You can marry anyone you want to. You can be president. You can make um, millions of dollars. You, this is the country of opportunity. You know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Don't be uh, seduced by people who want you to be Oh, uh, wait a minute. A AOC says that you can't pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You, that doesn't exist in America in well, spite of how many million her, stories, right? I wrong, and I'm an example of it, and right. so are you. I've got to let you all go here. Um, uh, great debate. I appreciate you all being with us. Geraldo, thank you. Vince, thank you. Pastor Scott, thank you. And by the way, I want everyone to know that's listening to this hour. All three of our guests do so much to help those in minority communities. It would take your breath away if you knew how great all three of these men are. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. This question came in from Nashville, Tennessee. It says billionaire Michael Bloomberg has entered the race and just got the endorsement of a former Trump Navy secretary. Why do you think you are a better position than Bloomberg to be Trump, Senator Warren? Look, I don't think anyone ought to be able to buy their way uh, into a nomination or to be president of the United States. I don't think any billionaire ought to be able to do it, and I don't think people who suck up to billionaires in order to fund their campaigns ought to do it. Everyone here talking about, as Democrats, we all want to overturn Citizens United because we want to end this unlimited spending. Yeah, except everyone on this stage, except Amy and me, <laughs> is either a billionaire or is receiving help from PACs that can do unlimited spending. So if you really want to, to, to live where you say, then put your money where your mouth is and say no no to the PACs. Look, I think the way we build a democracy going forward is not billionaires reaching in their own pockets or people sucking up to billionaires. The way we build it going forward is we have a grassroots movement funded from the grassroots up. In terms of public, in terms of money and politics, all right, our campaign, and I am enormously proud of this, unlike some of the folks up here, I don't have 40 billionaires, Pete, contributing to my campaign. 
coming from the pharmaceutical industry, coming from Wall Street and all the big money interests. What we do have is we have now over six million contributions from one and a half million people averaging $18.50 a contribution. That is unprecedented in the history of American politics. If we want to change America, you're not going to do it by electing candidates who are going out to rich people's homes begging for money. The way we're going to do it is build a mass movement of working people who are prepared to stand up, not take money from these billionaires, not take money from Wall Street, but stand up to the drug companies in Wall Street. All right, news roundup and information overload hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. You know, all the issue of money, as we've been debating about Bloomberg, uh, big in politics. But the amazing thing about Bernie Sanders is, well, Bernie Sanders wants a maximum amount of money that people can earn. He wants his 90% tax. He's proposing spending that Well, even I'd say some kid in first and second grade can add up that it doesn't add up. And it it is something that could never materialize. It is a guaranteed failure, broken promise. You know, the trillions in the new Green Deal, Medicare for all. Uh, Why people after Obamacare and that fiasco would ever trust anything any government person ever said uh, is beyond me. Now, we've talked at length about Peter Schweitzer and his new best-selling book and That is Profiles in Corruption, Abuse of Power by America's Progressive Elite. I still can't get over quid pro quo Joe and zero experience Hunter. Uh, I'm sure Peter, who joins us on our newsmaker line, agrees with me. The fact that almost speaking in one voice, the media mob and Joe and quid and pro quo Joe and zero experience Hunter. Oh, no. No credible person ever thinks we did anything wrong. We, we've identified the Gratuities Act, the Hobbs Act, the bribery statutes. And to me, uh, they fit perfectly into exactly how those laws were written. I do believe there will be oversight. I do believe there'll be a proper investigation. If not, we don't have equal justice or application of our laws. Uh, are you as stunned as I am that everybody in the Democratic establishment, everybody in the mob and the media that they're giving this guy a pass, uh, yet they were trying to find something with Ukraine and Donald Trump. Uh, and I would argue there's a prima facie case against Hunter and Joe, and that the president, by mentioning it, was fulfilling his oath of office, which is to faithfully execute the laws of the land, uh, number one. And, and just like if John Bolton says, well, uh, he said he wanted to withhold the funds, okay, even if he said it, he didn't do it. And he, by the way, from my perspective, he could have. Um, but they focus on that and they ignore this. It is breathtaking hypocrisy. And then after we talk, uh, Peter, I want you to answer that question. Then I want to get into how Bernie Sanders is a, a class A hypocrite, too. How are you? I'm great, Sean. Great to be on with you, as always. Uh, and I agree with you. I mean, look, what, what you have with the Bidens that you never had with Donald Trump. You never had with any of these allegations against him. With the Bidens, you have the transference of money. You have foreign entities putting money in the pockets of the Biden family. And as far as bribery laws are concerned or corruption laws are concerned, whether that money goes to Joe Biden directly or goes to his son is irrelevant. And so the mystery to me is why this is a non-story when 
The sitting vice president, Joe Biden, is declaring and determining policy for Ukraine. He gets that appointment by Barack Obama in March of 2014. Within three weeks, his son is suddenly on the payroll of Ukrainians who are going to be receiving that federal aid from the United States. It's, it's shocking and stunning. And, you know, it's funny, Sean, he's been asked about it a couple of times in kind of limited, hesitant ways. And the stunning thing is he does not have a good answer. He still does not have a good answer because there really isn't it's, one. It's, there, there isn't a good answer. And then he gets so aggravated and annoyed and screams at everybody. And, and look, you know, look at the horrific treatment of this 21-year-old girl who asked a perfectly good question and, you know, uh, yesterday, but whatever. We've not gotten into the dirty details of your research in your book about Bernie Sanders. Now, we have learned recently that Bernie Sanders, Mr. Green New Deal himself, has uh, outperformed every other Democratic presidential hopeful in terms of private jet use. And yet he's going to lecture us on the environment and the need for a new Green Deal and eliminating oil and gas and taking over the entire energy sector of our economy. Uh, Oh, and then we got Elizabeth Warren popping off her private jet. Another hypocrite. But more specifically, for a guy that is all about wealth confiscation, he's gotten pretty rich over the years. And you chronicle that in your best-selling new book, don't you? That's right, Sean. Um, He figured out one of the dirty secrets uh, in Washington, D.C., which is you can make a lot of money acting as a media buyer for campaigns. You know, so if if you were running for the Senate, Sean, and I was your media buyer and you said spend a million dollars on television ads, we would spend a million dollars. But by industry standard, I would be entitled to a 15 percent fee out of that million dollars. So I'd be entitled to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And the great thing about this deal, Sean, is it would never be disclosed that I got the fee. It wouldn't show up anywhere in FEC records. Well, Bernie Sanders figured this out because what he did when he was in Congress and continued later on is he put his wife in charge of media buying. She actually set up a company with her uh, son and daughter. Uh, It was registered to the Sanders home in Vermont. Uh, and they handled media buying for Bernie's campaign. Uh, we believe they made at least $150,000, if not more, doing that. But there's also evidence that Bernie leveraged his position to basically get other candidates to hire his wife. So what we found is a couple of candidates that were running in Vermont, they were actually longtime Bernie friends, were not getting endorsed by Bernie. Uh, one of them was running for governor, for example. They weren't getting Bernie's endorsement, and this was a big mystery, and the press was talking about why is Bernie not endorsing this person. Well, it turns out um, this candidate hires Jane Sanders to do uh, their media buying, and within two weeks, Bernie suddenly endorses this candidate for governor of Vermont. So it's a shakedown operation, and this has continued up to his presidential campaign. It involves his nonprofit organizations. It involves the Sanders Institute. Um, You know, it's a major money-making scheme. He employs his kids. His wife has this side gig going on, and it's been a way of them funneling money, in some cases taxpayer money, to the Sanders family. So politics has made the Sanders very wealthy. Well, pretty amazing when you look at all the money. So... How many years in Washington and how much have they been able to accumulate wealth wise? And, and, you know, I always say liberals are always generous with other people's money. Why don't they use their own money? You know, they're going to lecture us on uh, our SUVs and tell us we need to get rid of oil and gas. The first time in 75 freaking years that we're energy independent. 
a net exporter of energy. The Straits of Hormuz uh, mean less to us than they ever have before, which is good for our safety and security. And yet they would bring they would literally take over the oil and gas industry. That's how corrupt they are. But fly their private jet, of course. Yeah, no, it's you're exactly right. I mean, the energy revolution has just been remarkable for this country. And when you look at Bernie Sanders's finances, there's several things that stand uh, that, that stand out. Number one, uh, for all of his talk of wanting to help the poor, he has a terrible record for actually giving to charities. Basically, gives less than one percent of his income to charities. Second thing that stands out, Sean, is. You know, his investment portfolio. Uh, he has an investment portfolio. When James Sanders ran Burlington College, he ran it into the ground. They had a stock investment portfolio there. In both cases, they were not in- invested in, you know, socially conscious corporations. They were invested in blue chip stocks with Fortune 500 companies. That's what Bernie invests in. So for all of his attacks on corporate America and how evil corporate profits are, that's where he's investing his dollars. And then the third thing that turns out that, that, that's interesting that turns out is that, you know, they have um, these homes. We know that they own three homes already. One of them is a vacation home. Uh, they actually put the vacation home into a tax shelter uh, that's going to help them uh, paying taxes uh, if they want to uh, change ownership in that asset. So, you know, there is rank hypocrisy from Bernie Sanders on all levels as it relates to what he's telling the country he believes, but what he thinks actually applies to himself and to his family. All right. Peter Schweitzer, great work. Best-selling uh, book, Profiles in Corruption. It's up on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. Abuse of Power by America's Progressive Elite. Uh, amazing, stunning, breathtaking hypocrisy. Every level. Pittsburgh, PA. Susanna. Uh, Susanna, welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. And in 266 days, we'll be watching your state of Pennsylvania very closely. How are you? And we'll be pounding the boots heavily in Pennsylvania, Sean. I'm fine. Thanks for taking my call. But I have to tell you, I'm one of the millions who prayed for President Trump's acquittal. And, you know, we waited for him to announce it at the White House with expectations of joy and exuberance. My heart was like, oh, yes, let's celebrate And as soon as I heard him speak, I was stunningly saddened because I felt his pain. It was palpable what these evil Democrats did to him and his family, and not just to them, but to we, the electorate, by taking no evidence, no, you know, uh, valid witnesses and and running his name through their muck. This was painful for him, and we're not going to forget it. So I really want every... Well, I think what the president is... I think it's been painful for him because it's hurting his family so much. He's pretty tough. I've listen. He's a he dishes it out. He can take it. He's a tough guy. But I think other people would fold like cheap suits. Honestly. Well, we're going to say this, Sean. Never. <clears throat> sorry about that. Never again, Democrat Congress, will you do this to our president or to us or his family? Never again, Democrat Senate and Mitt Romney, will you do this to our president and to us? We're awake. We will burn your phone lines down with calls every time you try to do something like this. They said they're going to continue to impeach him. We dare you because we uh, will be on this. Th- there's one way to them. stop this. And I'll say this. And Susanna, thank you for a great call. We love our friends in Pittsburgh. I got to tell you something. There's one way to end it. The way to end it is if you're going to vote for the president and you want him to do even more to solve problems and serve the country, p- elect Republicans and are in the Senate and the House. You got that's it. Then it ends. It'll all end right then and there. 
All right, as we continue the Sean Hannity Show, we are in New Hampshire. Primary day tonight. Full coverage, Hannity, 9 Eastern. Uh, back to our phones. Uh, we'll be watching Arizona closely. Uh, I hope Martha Sally, McSally gets reelected out there. We need that Senate seat. That's going to be a tough race. Eric, Arizona, how are you? Welcome to New Hampshire and the Sean Hannity Show. Uh, yes, hello, Mr. Hannity. It's a pleasure, sir. It is definitely an honor. I feel that uh, you are definitely the hand over the heart of, heartbeat of this nation, and what you say means a lot to millions and millions of great Americans. You know, you said something wow. earlier about the vote Republican. By the way, th- that um, means a lot to me. I'm just trying to do my part. We all are needed in 266 days. This is all hands on deck as far as I'm concerned. Well, I feel in 266 days when President Trump wins wins the election, you know, we're going to have another four years of just greatness. Uh, his work record shows that already. But uh, I, I really want to know what's next. I mean, I started thinking about this a couple weeks ago when you had uh, Vice President Pence on with you, that uh, we got to get off this roller coaster where we go Republican-Democrat, Republican-Democrat. I mean, when Mr. Pence comes to you and says, let's keep this train rolling, and he wants you to be his running mate, what's your answer? <laughs> wants me, Sean Hannity, be to be Mike Pence's running. I think Mike oh, Pence power, has better options. Power of celebrity. Uh, We've seen what happens uh, with the power of celebrity with uh, you know oh, Donald man. Trump winning. But you must really hate my guts if you want me to do that because that would destroy my life. But uh, I got to. You're very kind to say it. Please, there's got to be a million better people. I'm hoping for them. But you're you're, you're very kind. Look at it this way. We're all spokes in a wheel, all hands on deck. We need this win badly, and we need the House and Senate, too. All right, we got to take a break. Hannity tonight, all the results, New Hampshire, 9 Eastern. we got a great show for you. When we come back, Steve Scalise, and we'll continue from New Hampshire. It's the Sean Hannity Show. So how do you explain the performance in Iowa, and why should the voters believe that you can win the national election? It's a good question. Number one. I was a Democratic caucus. You ever been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You said you were, but you're, you're, now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. It was a little bit confusing in Iowa. Frankly, when he speaks, a lot of what he's saying seems to be really pathos-based and very sad. Uh, we're, we have heard a lot about deaths and cancer and people losing their jobs. And to me, he doesn't really seem very solution-oriented in how we fix those problems. I, I don't think he has the momentum to carry this to a national election. All right, as we continue, uh, 24 now till the top of the hour, 800 Sean, if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, from New Hampshire, today's big primary. Well, a full coverage tonight at 9 on uh, the Fox News Channel. I- I'm not sure when you call people fat and, and, and push a guy a little bit or put your hand on him and tell him to go vote for somebody else and then say Joe 30330 and it means absolutely nothing and to say I was a Democratic caucus and then insult the 21-year-old girl who's asking a, a significant, real, and serious question and you want to be the president... Uh, that humiliating the girl is a particularly good strategy. But anyway, there's quid pro quo Joe bailing out of New Hampshire, canceling uh, any event, knowing he's going to get his you-know-what kicked. Uh, We showed up at that Biden rally yesterday. The thing that really stood out to me is they had a bunch of young kids getting off a bus. I'm like, oh, you got a bus in the, 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 the measly little crowd that you do have. Anyway, I had a fun time, walked around a lot, talked to a lot of people, and 
I think some people expected me to grow horns and they were surprised I am a real human being and actually pleasant and nice and uh, not even a bad guy in the, at the end of the day. Um, but uh, anyway, we continue from New Hampshire. Joining us now is uh, our good friend, Congressman Steve Scalise. He is the Republican whip, also Congressman of Louisiana's first district. Congressman, good to talk to you again. How are you? I mean, all right, let, let me say it is in as nice a way as a talk show host possibly can. If he ever had a fastball, meaning quid pro quo Joe, if he ever had one, he doesn't even have a softball any longer. He seems disoriented. He just says these nutty things that come out of nowhere. And frankly, there's a certain edge and meanness to this guy that keeps coming out when he's when he's asking people for votes. That young woman asked a really good question. He could have given her a good answer. He didn't. What's your reaction? Wow. Well, first, Sean, great to be back with you. If he had a fastball, I would definitely take it out of the park. But uh, he I mean, he's out there literally throwing soft fastballs at his his supporters. I mean, listening to that, it's getting worse and worse for him. I mean, you know, his poor performance in Iowa. They, they, does anybody think if he was going to win Iowa, they, they would have known the results immediately? But to come in fourth and then to go to New Hampshire and, and I'm here in Milford, New Hampshire, I know you're. You're out in here in New Hampshire, too. There's a lot of enthusiasm on the ground on both sides, but you don't see any for Joe Biden. I mean, even on the Democrat side, you know, I've been visiting with some of the Tulsi Gabbard folks because I served with Tulsi. Uh, but, you know, you saw the rally last night for Trump. Tremendous support for President Trump here. Uh, but on their side, I mean, Joe Biden is almost a non-existent factor out here. And so he's insulting. He's, he does. He looks like he really doesn't want to be there. And frankly, I don't think he survives uh, to South Carolina in this race. I think he drops out before then. Uh, but it's, it's a shame to see what's happening. And, you know, I think the quid pro quo uh, thing is real. People know uh, that it happened. He bragged about it. Uh, but there's still a lot of reckoning going on with that, too. So, But the, uh, but the thing know, is, it's not, a, it's not it's more than real. Here's what's really scary in the country we live in. You have the entire media mob establishment, which is basically 99 uh, percent of all media with the exception of a few of us in talk radio and a few of us on Fox. That's pretty much it. And then the rest of them will tell you, oh, no, no, that's been completely uh, uh, looked into. And uh, no serious person think there's, thinks there's anything wrong when I'm leveraging a billion dollars and demanding in six hours the firing of a prosecutor that we know is investigating his son who went on Good Morning America and admitted he had no experience in oil, gas, energy or Ukraine and is getting paid millions. I can't for the life of me to get lectured by one more person, Congressman, that there's nothing there. And yet the same people saw something wrong in a call with the president and President Zelensky when aid was never mentioned and he got everything he wanted or the four facts never changed. It drives me nuts. The level of hypocrisy. It's breathtaking. No, it truly is. And, you know, look, everywhere I go, first of all, the enthusiasm for President Trump has never been higher. And in here in New Hampshire, he almost won New Hampshire four years ago, came close. I think he's going to win New Hampshire. When you see, again, the enthusiasm, a lot of young people that are out uh, that rally last night, yet over 50,000 people that wanted to go to the rally, only 11,500 were able to get in. It was a packed house. You could take every Democrat candidate for president's rally combined, and it doesn't equal that. And so it's real. Uh, you see the, the left, the way that they, it, the hatred that you see for the president. Pelosi, which she did ripping up that paper with the names of, of war heroes, the names of victims of, of sanctuary city violence. Uh, it, it, I think it, it resonates with people when they see that, the personal vendetta that the impeachment was. I mean, a witch hunt where 
they were looking for a crime that never happened, and they impeached him anyway, even though Joe Biden's the one who did commit the crime and admitted what he did, uh, and that, you know, they just keep going at it. Zelensky is, Zelensky and Trump were the only two participants on the call. Both of them said it was a fine call. Zelensky got yeah. paid. He got the javelin missiles, by the way, that Obama and Biden wouldn't give them to stand up to Russia. Uh, Trump is the one who let him stand up to Russia by selling him javelin missiles. So, you know, the media doesn't want to get that out, but people get that. Everywhere I go, people are seeing this and they're saying, why isn't Pelosi working on things to lower drug prices or, or to secure the border instead of all this personal attack stuff? And so I think it's got a cost that Democrats are paying and they will pay in November. Let me go to, I guess, the person that's supposed to fill Biden's shoes or at least in the minds of other people. I mean, I've never seen a candidate buy his way into a race and nobody ever sees him and nobody ever talks to him. And that's Mayor Bloomberg. And so for 12 years, uh, Bloomberg is like a caretaker mayor guy that all he did was pretty much what Rudy Giuliani did before him. Okay. For 12 years as mayor, 12, he, he defends stop and frisk. He defends it another five years after the fact, after Comrade de Blasio was elected. And then all of a sudden he decides, well, I think I'm going to run for president. So he, he goes out there and he tries to cry and say, I was so wrong on, on my, my policies. Well, uh, that's blowing up in his face because of new audio and, and some video that is coming out where he literally says that I think... We disproportionately stop whites way too much and minorities too little and some other comments. Let me play them for you and, and ask you how you think this is going to play out. But I ask you to listen to this through the, the prism of what if Donald Trump said it? Listen. They just keep saying, oh, it's a disproportionate percentage of a particular ethnic group. That may be, but it's not a disproportionate percentage of those who witnesses and victims describe as committing the murder. In that case, incidentally, I think we disproportionately stop whites too much and minorities too little. 95% of your murders and murderers and murder victims fit one MO. You can just take the description of Xerox and pass it up all the time. They are male, minority, 15, 25. That's true in New York, it's true in virtually every city. And that's where the real crime is. You've got to get the guns out of the hands of the people that get killed. So you've got to, if you want to send the money to a lot of cops in the street, put those cops where the crime is, which means in minority neighborhoods. So it's one of the unintended consequences is people say, oh my God, you are arresting kids for marijuana that are all minority. Yes. That's true. Why? Because we put all the cops in the minority neighborhood. Yes, that's true. Why we do it? Because that's where all the crime is. And the way you get the guns out of the kids' hands is uh, to throw them against the wall and frisk them. And then they start, they say, oh, I don't want that. I don't want to get caught. So they don't bring the gun. They still have a gun, but they leave it at home. And our crime strategies and tools, including stop, question, frisk, have made New York City the safest big city in America. The fact that stops match up with crime statistics and the fact that our police officers on patrol, the majority of whom are black, Hispanic, or members of other ethnic or racial minorities, make an average about less than one stop a week. Victims and perpetrators of crime are disproportionately young minority men. That's just a fact. You can look at the victims, 
You can look at who we arrest. You can ask witnesses and victims for descriptions. It's a couple of uh, one newspaper and one news service. They just keep saying, oh, it's a disproportionate percentage of a particular ethnic group. That may be, but it's not a disproportionate percentage of those who witnesses and victims describe as committing the murder. In that case, incidentally, I think we disproportionately stop whites too much and minorities too little. And then he talks he talks about literally throwing minority kids up against the wall and that that was his philosophy as mayor of New York. Your reaction? Yeah, Sean, it's a day of reckoning from Michael Bloomberg. And, you know, he was able to skirt by for a long time because he had a lot of money and he was at 3%. And so nobody wanted to touch him on the Democrat side because they, they didn't think he was going to catch on and they, they wanted his money. Well, all of a sudden he's in double digits. He's surging a little bit now. So he's getting real scrutiny. And look, he was governing as a Republican mayor of New York and now he wants to masquerade as if he's, you know, he's now morphing into a socialist. And so which one is it? And, and how are you going to answer for the things that you did as mayor? But but, um, but imagine this, if you're an African-American and you hear Bloomberg actually saying, yeah, we're going to throw minority kids up against the wall uh, because uh, oh, 95% of murderers are, are African-Americans. Uh, and, th- and then he goes on, he goes even further. He goes, why do we do it? He's on tape saying this because uh, he goes, the way you get the guns out of the kids' hands, you throw them up against the wall and you frisk them. Uh, and then they start, oh, I don't want to get caught. So they don't bring a gun and uh, they still don't have a gun and leave it home. And then he goes, yeah, of course, we're arresting more minority kids for marijuana. Uh, we're sending. And then he goes then he says this. We're sending all of our cops into minority communities, all of them. Nowhere else, just minority communities. Wow. I am like, are you kidding me? Is the outrage. And, and look, you know, and you said this, if a Republican, if Donald Trump would have done that or said that, uh, they'd, they'd be going nuts. They always go nuts no matter what he says anyway. Uh, but I think he's going to have to answer for this. I think Michael Bloomberg is finally getting the scrutiny that he deserves. He was avoiding it. He was hiding out. Look, I was... I was at a middle school in Bedford about two hours ago, and I had a military veteran at one of the the, uh, primary locations, the voting locations, and he said, look, Michael Bloomberg wants to avoid New Hampshire, avoid Iowa. He thinks he could just hide from people and spend billions of dollars in New York. He said, that's not going to work. And there's an authenticity uh, that goes with coming into these primaries in caucus states and meeting with real people and, and being scrutinized. And so he avoided that scrutiny for a long time, but it's catching up with him now. Let me ask you this, because I want to move on to another issue here, and that is, all right, so we see what's happening with the Trump organization. We see, again, just like in Iowa, uncontested, really, for Republicans. But what do we see? We see Trump supporters everywhere. And uh, apparently a big turnout for them today in New Hampshire. What is your take on that? Same as Iowa. Is that enthusiasm indicative of of the passion that people have about this election? Yeah, Sean, the enthusiasm is unreal. I mean, you know, we were at the rally last night and and a few of us with the campaign were talking and just imagine, like, name another Republican or Democrat that can have that kind of crowd. And again, it wasn't just the eleven and a half thousand people in that arena uh, over in the southern New Hampshire, uh, but it was the 40,000 other people who wanted to get in who couldn't. Uh, and uh, and they, it's genuine enthusiasm because of what this president's done. It's all about results. You know, he promised things tw- in 2016, and he's delivered on those things. The economy's better. He's building over 100 miles of new wall this year. Uh, we're actually securing the border. We're seeing a decrease in the, the illegal crossings now uh, because this president's standing up for America. He's killing terrorists. And Democrats in Congress 
are criticizing him when he's killing terrorists. I mean, Mayor Pete the other day said there's not a compelling case to take out Soleimani. By God, I mean, the guy killed over 600 men and women in uniform and was in Iraq plotting to kill more Americans when President Trump t- t- gave the order to take him out. He was a terrorist leader. Right. He's dead now because of the, the strong leadership of President Trump. People see that, and it fires them up that not only do they see this president following through, but then they see the left, the viciousness, going after him, going after his family. You saw it last week. No, it's been the, brutal, but after the indictment, oh, it's terrible. You know, acquittal for life. Uh, I got to let you go, but I got to tell you something. If, if this keeps up, it's going to be amazing. Uh, I, I'm up on a hard break. Steve Scalise, Congressman. Uh, House Republican Whip, thank you for being with us. You always are generous with your time. All right, that's going to wrap up our New Hampshire primary coverage here. Uh, we'll have all the results on Hannity tonight. we got reporters everywhere. we got Laura Trump is going to join us. Senator Lindsey Graham is in town. Kevin McCarthy is in town. Sarah Sanders, Mike Huckabee, Geraldo, Dan Bongino, Matt Gates. We're loaded up the best election coverage we are only 266 days away. We'll have full coverage of what looks like the implosion of Bloomberg. Uh, so we'll have all of that, 9 Eastern, from New Hampshire, from the primary, live free or die state, the best election coverage, Hannity, tonight at 9. We'll see you then. We'll see you back here tomorrow. As always, thank you for being with us.